0: sharing, partaking of, communion together. Fellowship is not something that we've designed, it's something that God designed. Apparently we need it or he wouldn't have offered it to us. You know, if, if you saw one of your friends walk out of a room and you realized they'd been talking with someone, and then as they stepped out of the room, maybe you say to their friend, who were who you in the room with? And you said, uh, I, I I just was with Peyton Manning. What would you say to that friend next? Really, you're with Peyton. What What were you talking? Hey, what kind of guy is he? What What's he like? how How does that How does he come across? You know, a few years ago on business, my brother-in-law spent an evening in the White House, and as a part of the evening in the White House. Uh, he was allowed to go in and sit down in one of the rooms with President and Mrs. Bush for five minutes. Before he walked in the door, uh, there, there was one of the staff members that stood there and said, when you step in the door, you're on the clock. You go sit beside them, you have five minutes. Five minutes, I'll step in and the photographer, the White House photographer will be beside me. You immediately get up and walk to the fireplace president and Miss Bush will walk over beside you and the fireplace will snap your picture and later it'll be mailed to your house now this is a copy of the picture and I know you can't see it from where you are but but that's a copy now can you imagine what we asked him when he came back home can you imagine the questions hey when you're just sitting there in like a living room setting for five minutes what are they like just like talking to your neighbor he said You could talk to them about anything. It was really amazing how how humble that they were. You see the questions? You see the longing to get to know someone? Now, with that being said, I ask you this. Who are you meeting with this morning? When you leave here and someone says, Where would you go this morning? Would you kind of have that same feeling that says, Oh, I just went and spent some time in worship with God. You want me to tell you about him? It was a wonderful time of fellowship that I had with God. It's been a blessing that has changed my life to be able to spend time in worship. Worship is pour out adoration to whom? To God. You see this fellowship, it's vertical, but the way God's designed worship, it's not only vertical, but it's also horizontal. In other words, He intends for His church to come together. So we're to spend time with each other, worshiping God. In other words, as we spend time adoring God, we're to do that with God and with each other. As we consider this, we think about Paul looking at individuals that that he loved dearly. And in Philippians, the first chapter, the text that that was so capably read, did you notice there in verse 5, he refers to that time and, and he says, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. What, what is that fellowship in the gospel that Paul says, I can take it back to a point in time. I remember the first time he's talking to the people of Philippi. He says, I remember the first time we fellowshiped in the gospel. When was that? Well, drop back to Acts the 16th chapter. It's recorded in the Bible. You remember the Macedonia call in Acts the 16th chapter? Do you remember that when he first obeyed that Macedonia call, he walked in to this area and he went to the rivers, the river there and the, on the riverside, he saw this group of ladies and, and they, they were Jewish. They probably had gathered to worship because there were not faithful Jewish men. That was the tradition of women. When there was no faithful man, they didn't have a temple. They didn't have a synagogue. They go to the riverbanks. And what does he do? He introduces himself to Lydia and he shares the gospel, fellowships with the gospel. And you know what she says? Her and her household said, we want to be baptized. Later, he's thrown into prison. And you remember what happens that night? The Philippian jailer is first ready to take his life because he thinks the prisoners have escaped and he knows if they've escaped that he is going to be executed. And then he stops from doing that because... Peter cries out to not, or Paul cries out not to do that. And, and notice here in 30, he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? In 31, they're told to believe. Now look at Acts 16, chapter, verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in this house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Fast forward, years later, Paul is gonna write to the people at Philippi. He's gonna write to them and he's gonna say, I think back with great memories and I think back with great rejoicing in the fellowship of the gospel from the first day until now. What was the first day of the fellowship of the gospel? First day was when he literally taught and preached to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, right now, this very moment, we are enjoying a fellowship of the gospel, we are sharing. In the message that God has shared with us, 2 Peter 1 and 3, his divine power, notice this, has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has shared the gospel with us and now we get together, individuals... To reverence God. In other words, right now in worship, we're saying, God, I adore you. I want to submit my life to you. What is your message that you have shared? Your message that is in fellowship with us. And now let's proclaim it. Let's challenge each other to fellowship in the gospel. In worship, it's not only the fellowship of the gospel that we see the New Testament church doing. As a matter of fact, we can stay in this very same book and we can see that there's also a fellowship in giving. Look in Philippians, let's go to Philippians the fourth chapter. In Philippians the fourth chapter, we see what Paul said about the people of Philippi that really goes back to that very first uh, occasion in Acts the 16th chapter. Look in, in Philippians the fourth chapter, we're going to begin reading at verse 14 and and, and by the way, verse 14, he says, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. I mentioned to you last week that the word fellowship in Greek is koinonia. And it's interesting that the word shared is a two-part word. And, and it deals, it, one part of the word is koinonia, exactly. And the other part of the word, the preface of the word, is another word that means shared. And so it is the idea that a group of people are going to come together to share with someone else. And, and so it really, in a sense, is like a double emphasis on fellowship. And so Paul looks in verse 14 and he says, Nevertheless, you've done well that you have shared. In other words, you fellowshiped in my distress. Now what does he mean by that? Notice 15. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, see, that's back when they were first taught about Christianity, when I departed from Macedonia, that's the Macedonia call where they were converted, he says, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Let's pause here for just a moment. When the plate's being passed, is that worship? Is it fellowship of worship? Listen, if my understanding has been that the collection is simply dollars and cents and that's it, I've missed the beauty of where my heart, keep in mind your heart is your strong desire. Why should we give? Our motive should be that we want to be partners, in fellowship with God's work, wherever it is taking place. You see, we've interrupted a thought here, but almost every verse, Paul cannot talk to them about them giving without using words that pertain to fellowship. And he says, there was a time where no one would fellowship me in my mission work except The people of Philippi. And he says, I was in distress. I was a missionary that that was desperate for support. And he says, you people of Philippi, you are the ones that came and you shared. In other words, the small congregation of Philippi was the one that said, Paul, we want to have a part. See the fellowship? Sharing? We want to have a part in your mission work. Now, notice how it continues here in 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. He says, you not only helped me once, you helped me again later on. Now, here's the beautiful part of us giving and, and sharing in fellowship. Look at 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Paul says, look, it's not about money that I'm wanting this, but it's about if you can give to me, I can take that. And for the kingdom's sake, fruit can be born. And you know whose fruit it is? Because it's fellowship, because it's been shared. He says that fruit is just as much your fruit as it is my fruit. When we give, do we recognize that we're sharing in the mission works all around the world? We literally are sharing. It's fruit that will be to our account because we're generously giving. Now, how how does this pertain to worshiping God as we give? Notice what Paul said in verse 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. Because of them, see, he has sufficient amount to do his work. Notice, I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you. So Epaphroditus has has delivered this gift. And notice what it is to God. A sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Isn't it amazing the angles that Paul addresses the topic of giving? There was a time when I needed fellowship, Paul says, and no other church would support me, but you fellowship and you gave to me, not only once, but you gave to me again. And now I've received another gift from Epaphroditus. And you know what? You've also fellowshiped with God because now he's using an Old Testament analogy, like a sacrifice being burnt And and to the Lord, it's a sweet-smelling offering. He says, when you give generously to have fellowship in the work of the Lord, not only is the fruit to your account, but it's God who finds pleasure in it. So now we're giving and having fellowship with God. And, And notice, if you will, verse 19, because this is the loop, if you will, completing it, completing the loop in verse 19. Where did they get the money to give? Where did you get the money that you gave this morning? He tells us where. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There's a missionary that needs support. God's not going to drop a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand dollars from heaven on their front porch. But God will partner with you. God will be in fellowship with you to bless you so you in turn can give to fellowship with his work to bless others. And when we do that, we've received what God has shared. We have given back to share in the kingdom work. It's gone up as a sweet smelling aroma. Now it's shared with God, and God says, I'll give back to you more so we can keep this cycle going. The contribution is just as spiritual. As anything we do in worship, it's all about fellowship with God. Notice also as we look at 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, I want to do a play on words here intentionally. Here we can see the communion and fellowship. Now, if you know where the word communion comes from, you realize that we have really just said fellowship and fellowship. Communion from the Greek is koinonia. Fellowship from the Greek is koinonia. And so what you're looking at there in English is literally the very, very same words in Greek. Isn't it interesting to think about what does God call the Lord's Supper? Well, there are places in the scripture where God calls the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper. But there's also a place like here in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, he calls the Lord's Supper fellowship. Literally, let's, let's read it. Look at verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Is it not the fellowship of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the Fellowship, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are in fellowship with Christ. But now notice the next level of fellowship in verse 17. For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Now why is he placing the emphasis on the bread here and not on the cup? Because right here, what he's trying to place the emphasis is upon this. Are you a part of the Lord's one body? Which the bread represents the body. Because over the next few verses, you're going to see where he's about to go. He wants to know, are you a part of the Lord's one body? Do you come and partake of the Lord's communion? If so, you can't turn around and say, I also want to join and partake in activities with demons. And so literally, Paul is calling them out to say, you can't have a fellowship that's with the world and a fellowship with the Lord, but he uses the communion to drive home the point that when you are in communion with God through partaking of the bread and the blood, you can't also claim a communion with Satan. Why? We're communion with him, but second, if we truly are loyal to the body of Christ, that's another reason why We don't intertwine our life and our activities with the world. Listen, I recognize nobody here is perfect from here around. But you and I also need to recognize this. When we do wrong, it not only tarnishes the name of Christian as it relates to Christ, but it also gives each one of us A bad reputation as it pertains to the world. Why? Although we are many, we are one body. So let's continue reading here. So he says in 18, Observe, Israel, after the flesh, are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers? Notice that word partakers is like sharing, it's like communion of the altar. What am I saying then? That an idol is anything, or that it it, or what is offered to idols is anything. Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot. Partake, that's sharing with, the partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. I can't go out and live with the heathens on Saturday night and put my feet under their table, so to speak, and partake with them and have fellowship with them slide in here on Sunday morning and put my feet under the Lord's table and partake with him and then some way think, some way I'm going to have communion with Satan and I'm going to have communion with God and everything's going to be all right. It's that kind of language. We don't have a slide for this, but if you have your Bible open, you turn one page over. 1 Corinthians 11th chapter, he talks about the communion quite a bit. And, and in 1 Corinthians 11th chapter, he says in 27, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord, but let him examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks. Judgment, other translations would say damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Friends, it's not that I need to get in this debate of, I don't know if I need to take the Lord's Supper this morning. Maybe, maybe I need to pass on taking the Lord's Supper this morning because I, I think if I took the Lord's Supper this morning, it might be wrong. Have you ever been in the circle of those debates? I have to scratch my head and think, Am I so far out of the loop that I'm missing the logic of this conversation? Think about this. I am living in the world a hypocritical life and I think some way sliding into church on Sunday is going to make me right as long as I don't partake of the Lord's Supper. How does that make any sense? What's the Lord saying here? Is the Lord saying... Hey, just make sure if you're going to partake with demons that you don't partake the Lord's Supper and you're all right. That's the way people try to explain it. The Lord's not saying that. The Lord's saying decide. Are you going to be in communion with the Lord? Are you going to be in communion with Satan? You have to decide which one. Where are you going to live? Whose table are you going to put your feet under? Who are you going to fellowship? The Lord or Satan? And if you've been fellowshipping Satan, repent. Seek God's forgiveness. Come back into his fellowship and partake of his supper. Finally this morning, I'd like to mention two to you very quickly. And that is prayer. Prayer is a time of fellowship together, where we fellowship with the Lord. We see that from the beginning of the church. In Acts, the fourth chapter, we see Peter and John, and we see them cast into prison. We see them released from prison and being persecuted, even as they're released. And you know immediately what they do. In Acts, the fourth chapter in 23, they go back. And they join up with the church and they begin to say a prayer with the church. And they don't pray, Lord, please help them to quit persecuting us. Lord, please help them to stop incarcerating us. You know what they pray for instead? They pray, Lord, give us the boldness that we need to proclaim the gospel. What's happening? All throughout the book of Acts, we see the church coming together. See, that's fellowship. To pray that's talking to God, fellowship with God. See, when we study His Word, that's Him talking to us, fellowship to us. And then we pray to Him, and it's fellowship in return to Him. Acts the twelfth chapter in verse 12, we see this fellowship again. When, when Peter was being released from prison, it says in verse 12, So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary and the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Notice that, gathered together. That's the fellowship in prayer. And then finally this morning, when we sing. What, what are we doing when we sing? Well, surely we realize that we're in fellowship with God. We're singing praise to God. But you know that the fellowship is not simply vertical. It's also horizontal. Uh, Look at Colossians, the third chapter, and notice in verse 15 about how it comes back to the unity of the fellowship. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now here's what we're supposed to be doing in, in singing. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Is that how you fellowship and worship? Do you realize that according to God's plan of fellowship, when we're singing, we are supposed to be singing to each other? We are in fellowship with each other, teaching and admonishing one another. Have you seen someone... That we can't judge individuals' hearts. It's not our place to even try to do that. But it just appears that they really aren't thinking about the words and maybe not even singing the words. In other words, it's like sitting down at a table and not saying a word to the people around you. And God says, I want you to come to worship and I want you to sing and I want you to teach and admonish one another by what you're seeing. Now, is there fellowship vertical? Yeah, I want you to make melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, what I'm about to tell you, some of you may know and have seen. And others of you may say, I can't imagine that. I've never seen that before. I'm not suggesting that this is the way it ought to be done. I'm also not condemning it. I'm just illustrating to you a point that we are to sing to one another. I don't know if you've ever been in a congregation that literally turns and sings to each other. Because it's not what is traditional to me. It's very uncomfortable to me. But there are individuals that they understand this verse to be that when you're singing a song, the entire song service, you're looking at each other. If you're in the pew, you're turning around the whole time and you're singing to each other as if you were teaching a lesson. Now, I would think that most of us would think that's, I don't know if I could do that. That's kind of strange to be singing, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, and you're looking at each other as if you're telling... Now, you and I can look at that and say, I might be uncomfortable with that. That that seems strange to me. Here's the point. If we're not looking at each other in the eye, we still better be doing it with the intent of our heart. It's not an option. God says, I tell you what, if, if you want to teach and admonish one another in song... Go ahead. But if you don't want to do that, you know, you you may feel like that your voice isn't that great. You don't really have to teach and admonish one another. It's just kind of, I'll just throw it out there as a suggestion. You figure out which one you want to do. No, it's a command. And Ephesians 5 teaches pretty much the very same thing. We are in our singing to be in fellowship with each other and making melody to the Lord. You see, worship is a time that we experience a period of time together with God. The story's told that several years ago, a tourist called a church in Washington, D.C., where it was believed that that's where the president attended worship. And the tourist asked the person that answered the phone. Do you know if the president is going to be in worship this coming Sunday? We'd like to come if he is. To which the person on the other end of the phone replied, We're not really certain if the president will be here this Sunday, but we do believe that God and his children would be here, and we hope that that would draw a vast audience. This morning, do you realize that God and His children are in fellowship together right now? What does that mean to you? I don't mean, what does it mean to us? I'm saying, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you to be in fellowship with God and His children, adoring God? This morning, I hope that every one of us will not just take this as simply an intellectual study, but I hope we'll take it and really think about it and meditate upon it this afternoon. I hope we'll give it some serious thought because it's about what each of us does individually as we come into this room to worship God. I want to close by reading to you a passage that I don't have a slide for. I wish I, wish I did have another 15 minutes for, but I don't. I want to read a passage that you probably have heard many times. But have you ever thought about it as it pertains to fellowship? And let us, that's fellowship, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We have a responsibility to fellowship each other. How? How? Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. God, tell us, what do you want us to do? And he says, I want you to be together when the assembly is together worshiping. Why, God? Because you need each other and the others need you. Friends, fellowship. It's beautiful. And if we're not embracing it, and if we're not helping build it, we're missing a fundamental part of what God has designed the church to be. This morning, I hope that all of us here enjoy the fellowship with God. But if you don't, why not begin that this morning? There's not any of us that deserves it. None of us deserve to come into His presence. But He'll forgive us of sins and He'll adopt us into His family and He'll treat us as His child and He'll give us an inheritance that's equal with Jesus Christ, which is almost unthinkable. If you've never come to the Lord as a believer, willing to repent of sins and confess before men and be immersed into Christ, why not this morning? Maybe you've been baptized into Christ and along the way, you've lost the way of fellowship with God and with His church and you want to come back to Him this morning. If you need to repent and confess sins, if we can do anything to help you take steps closer to God, please come as we stand as we sing.